Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Relating and Recovery podcast. I'm an alcoholic and addict. My name's Dustin. I'm an alcoholic and a drug addict. My name is Jay. We are just two guys learning to live and grow in recovery. We are sober members of Alcoholics Anonymous, and we find it important to tell you that we don't speak for Alcoholics Anonymous. We're just a couple of guys trying to stay sober and maybe, just maybe, help someone else along the way. Maybe. I'd like to point out that we are not experts. We are not here to teach you anything either. We want to share experience, strength, and hope, and possibly inspire, and have some healthy but sometimes difficult conversations about recovery. So, join us, Relating in Recovery Podcast. Man in the glass, the only one to please, never mind all the rest, we'll relate in recovery, recovery. Hello everyone, welcome to the, welcome back to the Relating in Recovery podcast. I'm an alcoholic and an addict. My name's Dustin. Hey, Dustin. Hey, Dustin. Oh, hey, yeah, I guess I should introduce myself, yeah. right? Uh, my name's Jay, alcoholic and an addict. Right yeah, yeah, it's good to be here, Welcome man. Welcome back, buddy. Uh, hey, before we get going, I wanted to just say a, a quick, uh, quick, quick mention to, uh, to Warren P. and to uh, uh, David D. and to Liam C. for, uh, for helping us get this baby, this baby rocking, right? Yeah, couldn't, done a lot couldn't of work. do it alone. Hell yeah. I don't know beautiful. anything about computers. Oh no, <laughs> but you've been on Zoom. That's that's different. Well, you so you know something about computers. So you're not living an honest, a completely honest. And I'm just confused. <laughs> just wondering, like, you, does, did you just lie? No. Oh, so you know some stuff about computers. So you just spoke without thinking. Is that kind of what happened? Or? Yeah, definitely. Oh, okay, that happens. Yeah, not absolutely. for me because I'm you know perfect and stuff. But. <laughs> <laughs> we're, gonna have, we're gonna have to talk about this hey i wanted to just quickly announce what, how beautiful of a, of a day we're about to have because in their podcast today we have a really special guest he's uh he's a he's a guy that we've all probably already know and met and love and and, and learned from and i'm uh, gonna introduce uh, jordan how welcome man hey everybody my name is jordan i'm an addict uh member of na um as I said before i don't speak for na but uh really glad to be here and uh you know, get to have a little powwow with a couple of boys. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Have, have a little talk today. What yeah. do you want to talk about, Jay? Huh. So, so I don't know. I mean, like, look, life is full of things and I have a thousand, what do they say? 17,000, no, 70 to 90,000 thoughts a day, right? And if every single thought is attached to a feeling and every single feeling is fleeting, I've changed my mind a lot, right? <laughs> a lot, right? And, uh, you know, and just on the way in here. But so here's the thing, right? So I was at the train station not too long ago. A little while back, right, and um, and my feet were killing me. My feet were just killing me, right. And I was like, you know, and I was and I was kind of bitching and moaning about my feet. And I, and I remembered this saying about uh, I used to complain about my feet until I I met a man with no shoes, right. And I thought about that, and I thought, oh, there's no reason to complain about my feet, right. But then I saw I saw um, this guy come by me, like literally within minutes, and he had a prosthetic leg. He didn't even have a, a like he didn't even have a leg, and um, and I thought, oh my God, look at that, right? God shot, right? And then I, but then my brain, right, wired in such a way, immediately went, <laughs> it went, but wait a minute. My foot's killing me right now, and his isn't. That was the, the thought I had. 
And I, and I caught myself thinking that, and I thought, how ridiculous, right? So I learned that I, in, a, in a weird way that I, I have this, um, this, this huge disconnect still sometimes between uh, admitting and accepting, right? Because I, I admitted that he was much worse off than me, you know, but my, I didn't accept it because I immediately put it back on, oh, poor me, because I got it worse, right? It was like I was holding on to something, right? Like some sort of self-pity or something. So I don't know. I was thinking maybe we could explore something about... Uh, about uh, like step one, maybe something along that, because I feel like that was a that was a challenge for me in my life, and it's apparently still <laughs> creeps up. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. No, I think uh, a step one would be great. What do you think, George? Sounds great. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. What are you? What are your? Uh, what are your thoughts? Are you not already sick of my voice yet? No, I I, I like it when he tells stories. Oh God, <laughs> God, you're like the only one. Um. Okay, so look, man. Like, it, it took me. 14, 17, 15, 16 years between, uh, to do step one, man. I was, uh, stuck somewhere between admitting I had a problem and accepting I had a problem. You know, it was a major hurdle and I had tried everything in my, that I believed that I could do to get it. Right. Um, so I was stuck. I was stuck with, with the inability to accept that I was sick, you know? And, um, and in that process, I had to learn by these tiny little shifts along the way. I had to like, I had to like try something else, and then it, it didn't work because I didn't do it fully. And I try something else, and it didn't work because I didn't do it fully. And I try so, and it took all those years and all those attempts to put together like a proper soup, right? Mm-hmm. So I could taste the soup and say, okay, you know, maybe this is a, the soup of acceptance, right? So I don't know. It, that, that was my thinking. My thinking is that I, I just, I didn't have, um, I didn't have, I was missing something. You know, and I and I still uh, I think today I mean I could I could maybe I'll spin back on it after, but today I I think I know what that something was. But during the process, if you're new out there and you're listening to us right now, and you're in that place where you're where you're holding on to something, or you're not holding on to something, you're not accepting, or you admit you have a problem but you can't figure out what's going on, well maybe maybe today's podcast will give you something to work with. But I don't know. I was uh, I had a I want to ask Jordan. Um, Something because I, I don't know. I think you might have a different spin on it. I'm not sure. What do you think? What's your thoughts, bud? Yeah, well, I mean, it kind of lines like it lines up a little bit. But uh, I mean, for me, I same same kind of story. I admitted, uh, you know, I had a problem when I was maybe like 13 years old. I didn't get clean till I was 27. So you know, the that gap was uh, you know not necessarily on uh, accepting myself as a drug addict. My gap was accepting the things that I had to do in order to get clean. Right. And, and those are hard things, you know, I mean, there's a lot of people who, you know, they don't accept that they're going to have to go to meetings maybe for the rest of their life or that they're going to have to sponsor people or that they're going to have to be uncomfortable or be around people they don't like or do things that might be boring to them. And, you know, I always put it in relation to somebody sitting in a cancer clinic, you know, getting chemo in their arm. They're not going to say, I'm not getting the chemo because I'm sitting beside some guy that's smelly or <laughs> I didn't like or said something mean to me last right. week. You're going to, like, fight for your life. Oh, yeah. Right? Because you know you're dying. And I think that's the hard piece to addiction is that a lot of people don't know they're dying. They, they you know, stop using drugs or stop drinking. They look better. They feel better. They smell better for 10 minutes. And then they assume <laughs> that they're not dying anymore. They do the, uh, what do my sponsor used to call it? Uh, the one nine twelve. I screwed up. I'm sorry. How can I help you? Yeah. You know? And skip everything else in between. Yeah. And, you know, so, like, I had to really accept the fact that uh you know 
I was going to probably have to go to meetings for the rest of my life, right. that I wasn't going to be able to use successfully ever again, uh, that I was going to have to be in uncomfortable situations, that I was going to have to share some of my deepest, darkest secrets with another human being, that I was going to have to build bonds with other nice. men and women that I didn't want to build bonds with, no. that I was going to have to do all these things that I just, I just wanted my way. Yeah. And it wasn't helpful. And, you know, I think we had talked previously. We talked about, you know, like reservations were this massive area where I didn't accept certain things. So, you know, uh, going through step one, having to sit down and, you know, with my sponsor and pulling out my phone and being like, what numbers in here don't you need? Yeah. You know, what, you know, uh, or, or are dangerous to you. And, and I remember, like, I need that drug dealer's number because he's been my friend for so 18 years. So you'd actually years. pull out their phone. You'd actually. Yeah. 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 I mean, there's, it's because I was thinking, so if you think of addiction as a relationship, okay, so uh, my addiction is my ex-girlfriend. Okay. And my recovery I, I, is my new girlfriend. Now, what is she going to be okay with me bringing forward into that relationship? How many ex-girlfriend's phone numbers can I bring forward? How much, how much of her old, old clothes or, you know, old photos of my ex am I allowed to keep in the house? Right. You know, like, what stuff am I allowed to bring? And it's crazy because people don't they, don't, they do it. They're like, oh, I'm keeping that dollar bill. That I used to snort cocaine out of because, you know, I, I want to remind myself what it used to be like. <laughs> uh, I'm going to keep alcohol in my house yeah. to just in case I have a friend that wants to come by sure, and have yeah. a drink. I don't drink, but he might want one. I don't keep a ball of cocaine in my house in case a friend <laughs> wants to come by, but a drug is a drug, right? Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. you know, like... Those are kind of some of the things people just, they skip by them, right? Like, would, would they be, you know, I shouldn't go hang out with certain people. My ex, my current wouldn't want me hanging out with, you know, my old exes. Uh, I don't, um, you know, go to certain, like, old haunts, you know, places that would be, you know, dangerous to me. Uh, and, and a lot of people will find plausible yet untrue reasons. Right. Why these things are okay. Yeah. It's okay for me to go to that bar. They have really good chicken wings. Right, but I used to drink in that bar on a regular, and I'm just sitting in there having chicken wings. Probably not the best place. Right. Maybe I'll get drunk. Maybe I won't. But that's a big dice roll for some chicken wings. Hell of a gamble, wings. man. Yeah. yeah. You know, and those yeah. those are always the hard things to let go of. I find, uh, you know, like the the connection to the old life, the self old old identity, the old friends. It's hard to take everything and scrap it. Oh yeah. But I'm fighting for my life. Yeah. And that's the, that's the thing that people are missing. When you frame it in that light, it gets so much easier to ditch some guy that I was friends with for years that, you know, they're not my friend. They're selling me drugs. Yeah. They're murdering me. Right? And I'm participating. Yeah. We're yeah. not helping each other. No. I need to be away from that. Somebody that's, you know, can't sit in my house and have a drink or and have a drink in my house. I don't like I don't want to have somebody who has to have a drink when they come over to my house. Not has to, no. Right. If I come yeah. over to your house, you can have a drink. Yeah, yeah. I'm in recovery. I don't want you drinking in my house. Fair yeah. enough. I mean, yeah. like, you know, like... Nice drop. No yeah, doubt. Yeah. I mean, what, what's the line? What am I willing to do is the question. Willing. And step one is, you know, if I'm not willing to do those things, then I don't realize how screwed I am. Man. I don't realize the corner that I'm backed That's into. Deadly space, man. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, for me, I, like, I, when... I, I went to treatment myself, and when I... I First of all, I, I was one of those guys. I, I had I had no idea uh, how sick I was when I went to treatment. Mm. Um, I can I can remember thinking things like uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go to treatment. I'm gonna get sober, and you know my, my wife's gonna stick around. 
and uh, I'm going to get the heat off and, you know, maybe eventually I'll be able to, uh, you know, smoke dope again. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's, 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 a, that's <laughs> a good you know, plan, I really yeah. wasn't, like, like you know, because, like, my real problem was, was with, with cocaine and opiates. It wasn't just, you know, alcohol. And I, I thought I didn't drink every day. My, my perception was so skewed when, when I was at the end of my drinking and using. Um, and I thought I was okay. And everyone in my, li- my life knew that I wasn't okay, except for me. Right. You know, and and right. I'm, I'm grateful that I went to the treatment center that I went to, right? Because I, I met my match in that treatment center. I, I met a guy who, who saw me coming. Yeah. And he, he could see himself in me, right? And right. he just challenged me right to the core. And that's actually, that's what he challenged me to do is, is to uh, have a look at my phone, have a look at my social media. And if I was really dedicated to making that change in my life, then I needed to get rid of some of those old ties, right? right. And, and I did. I deleted over 400 people from my Facebook. Okay, but how fast did you become willing? Like, how fast did oh, that happen? Because I, I don't took, relate. It, t- I it took a month. I got... I, a month. I, I was... Uh, this particular gentleman, you know him, he... Uh, he, he took me in a room a couple times and proceeded to go up and down like just with a loud voice right try to try to beat it home with me right because like i guess he challenged me but i also challenged him right because i I guess he told me at the end of the the month my my stay at treatment he says i i i could see myself in you and and i think that's why i knew how to break through to you right because i had no idea how sick i was I thought I was just, you know, I just needed to get off the cocaine and, and stop doing stop doing pills and I, and I was going to be all right. And I didn't even know I was an alcoholic. Jesus, right? man. And, <laughs> and in that month, like, Wild. I was very lucky that, that I, 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 I listened and, and I tried to learn as much as I could. But I believe somewhere along that line, you know, I, I got desperate, right? Because I, I found out that I had this, this deadly illness that was going to kill me. And, you know, th- there was a few other, other moments there where the, the, they were big moments of, of, you know, like a shift for me. Right. But I did like, I left home. I, I was intervened on, uh, by my family and I went, I went to treatment, you know, not necessarily even, even willing. Right. But guys, other guys in recovery, you know, showed me me. Right. And I was able to, I was able to, to realize how, how sick I was and it scared the shit out of me. Don't, oh, don't, don't shit. get me wrong. Yeah. And then it became like, like Jordan said, it was like, do I want to live or do I want to die? No right? joke. Cause, yeah. cause the things I was doing, right. You know, people are dropping dead on the street from right now oh, uh, man. in a, in a crazy way. Right. So Deadly. I had to come to grips with, with the reality that I was facing. And, and I, I think I, ha- I have a lot to live for. I know I have a lot to <laughs> live for. Right. Hey, hey. So, You're you a know, miracle, man. but so I, yeah. for me, out of that desperation, I got that willingness and I, and I made those changes. Right. And I saw the effects in my life. There's that, there's that, um, that, that saying in recovery, they, they talk about, um, you know, just, if you want to find out who your friends are, get sober. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I can yeah. tell you that I have very little contact with anyone in my old life. And that was organic, right? I mean, yeah. those aren't, I didn't find that for me that those were choices I made. That's yeah. just sort of happened organically. Yeah, they leave you. Yeah, they leave yeah. me. They, they leave you. Yeah. If you if you make significant change. Yeah. So when I notice people and they, they still have a lot of those friends hovering around, typically they've kind of done some surface work, but they haven't had that spiritual upheaval. Right. You know, but when people have actually changed who they are and they're kind and loving and, and, yeah. and want to give back, uh, people who are self self-centered, self-seeking tend to drift away Yeah. really quick because they, they don't fit anymore. Yeah. I don't know if you've ever been away from a friend for years. And, and you go back and you try to have a conversation with them. Right. I, I, I was raised in Vancouver. 
and uh, I went back a couple about two years ago to go uh, you know see family and I stopped in this little town where a lot of my old friends were there weren't like uh, uh, drug users kind of I mean social drinkers whatever and I stopped in to go see them and right. we had nothing in common anymore and we had right. grown apart yeah and that just happens on its own you don't have to force it but there's something really special about forcing it and it's like like uh, I don't know if any of you guys ever been stopped by the cops, but you know, uh, <laughs> a couple of times. No, I remember no, getting stopped by dope, and every time they would be like, you know, you got a pipe. Okay, well, put it on the ground, smash it. And they always did it to me. They wouldn't yeah. they wouldn't just take it and throw it in the garbage. They wanted me to smash it yeah, because uh, there's yeah. something that changes in you <clears throat> when you have to take action yeah. instead of somebody else doing it for you. Right. So when they kind of fall off, you don't notice it in the same way as when you you know, really make that decision yourself. And, you know, I train my brain. You guys train your brain. Absolutely. The way, the way we tell our brain, this is important. Remember this date. Yeah. Uh, by yeah. repeating things, by, you know, uh, putting asleep, putting effort asleep, onto something. And, uh, <laughs> oh, what? Sorry? I mean, don't fall asleep. 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 <laughs> Sometimes my brain listens. Sometimes it doesn't. But... You know, by by doing those things, we're telling our brain these meetings are important. This is important. Recovery is important because I'm I'm giving up all of these things. Yeah. I'm putting them into the background, and this is going to be what I need you to focus on, right? And and it changes the direction we go. You know, and it, it doesn't mean that you know when we when we drop those people that they're not going to come back into our life. I mean, they might. They we're we're the watchtowers for them, right? right. We signify. We're like, I love myself enough. To leave you there because I can't be in that mess right now with Beautiful, you. Man. We're telling that person how a healthy person in recovery lives. And when they need help, they know where to come to. Yeah. If I placate them and I stay with them and I carry them, yeah. then they learn that's what recovery looks like. And then when they come in, if they come in, they're going to follow that same uh, that same direction. Yeah. We're teaching them this this really messy, muddied version of recovery that is it's so dangerous and scary. Goosebumps, bro. Uh, all I have to do is change everything. Yeah. That's all. Right? That's, That's it. That's it. You know, and yeah. but the problem is is addicts are terminally unique. Oh, we're, like, no. we're, we're, we're so different from each other well, that I it's am. gonna kill us. I actually yeah. Am. yeah, yeah. Uh, no, no, I actually am. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Everybody comes in and goes, This is what this looks like. This is a program. This is the recipe that you need. This is you know, like it's one plus two equals three. That's it, right? Yeah. And I go, but not for me. Right. But not for me. It's yeah. a little bit different. <laughs> I can keep that bag of dope in a little box just in case, whatever. You know, I can, you know, hang out with those people that are super dangerous to me. I don't need to go to meetings. I don't need the steps. Yeah. I'm going to do it without. Uh, you know, I don't need a higher power. I don't need connection with other people. I, I'm special. <laughs> And, and that's the problem, right? Like we were talking about that willingness piece. Yeah. Step one, when yeah. we have those reservations, you can't move on. Yeah. Where, where do you go with the reservation? If I go to step two, step two is all about the ins- insane decisions. So right. I'm still making insane decisions because they're mine. Yes. yes. They're mine. Yeah. So how can, I, how can I reprieve that um. if I'm still living in those reservations? How can I go to step three and have my will over if I'm still driving the bus? It's, yeah. it's this, it's this it's crazy piece, and that's always the part that scares me. Somebody comes in, and they go, I'm powerless, my life's unmanageable, done step one. <laughs> and I'm like, what are you doing, man? That's yeah. not, that's, that's, yeah, you, uh, that's awesome. Thank you for the admission. That's wonderful. Yeah. We're happy to have you here, here. but yeah. you're still carrying your baggage of your old life. And the scary part, and I get it, cause, so like, you know, if I put a big whiteboard in front of me and I write all the horrible things for my life, 
all the things that I should be letting go of. Uh, it sounds like a really good, like it, it gives me an identity, right? When I have those things, I know what I look like like that. Yeah. And when I wipe it off and I clear that board, it's a really beautiful thing because I can put anything I want up there, but it's also really scary. Because right. I don't know who I am. Right, yeah. And I've always known who I am. I'm Jordan. I'm a drug addict. I was a fall down. I was a criminal. You know, I, uh, I trudged through you're, life. You're handsome as fuck. Thanks, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I knew who I was. Yeah. No matter how low I was, I knew who I was. And then all of a sudden I hit this place in step one where I actually let go of that stuff. And this vacuum happens. Nice. This scary hole horrible place that's yeah. how i knew i had done it yeah because i was scared out of my wits <laughs> yeah. right I, I can relate absolutely yeah well listen the change addiction is like the only illness in the world where um we tell ourselves we're okay right and uh and that and that for me was such a scary space and, and i and i it's funny because when i talk about like i don't know if it's 14 15 16 it's, it's funny how i can't pinpoint but, but let's just say it was over a decade and i couldn't i couldn't accept my illness and i guess like, because of that I wasn't willing to do these things and I had reservations. But here's my question, right? So I don't have, I don't know what my reservations were. To this day, I don't really know what my reservations were. Unless I go back to the big book in, in uh, Alcoholics Anonymous and, and I talk about how someday, one day, I can drink like normal folks, right? We yeah. use the term normal very loosely. But unless that was the thing that was holding me on, but I didn't recognize it, right? I want to ask you, in NA, in NA, what's, and they talk about what the under, step one in NA, they, it's the same? It's the same. same set, yeah. So un- unmanageability in is like, um, you were talk- you were mentioned something today about unmanageability. Yeah. See, see, for me, I, I always like step one kind of helped me back for a long long time because of my my understanding of it. Right. I knew I was powerless over drugs and alcohol a long easy. time ago. Yeah. I was just like, yeah, gotcha. I I, <laughs> I get that right because yeah. I can't stop. I I can never stop. From the very first time I picked up a drink or a drug. I just wanted more, and that continued throughout my life, right? Um, for 17 years, I was I was either high or drunk on something, right? So uh, very, very little little time in between. Um, and I always thought, like, because my first meeting was at 18, and I'm, I'm 34 now, and I, I just got just over two years of sobriety. And there was multiple attempts to go to meetings throughout my 20s. He hasn't and, shaved his beard since he got sober. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Yeah. No. So, what? What? I, I always knew I was powerless, but the unmanageability part uh, that that kept kept me back because I had this understanding of what an alcoholic was, and I didn't fit that right. And 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 a drug addict was. I didn't fit that either. Right. You know, I wasn't the guy under the bridge. I wasn't. You know, Otis from the Andy Griffith Show, falling down all over the place. Right? <laughs> and, and like I'm so I, like I, I I'm so God love Otis. so true. Like I'm. I'm, this is this is how I thought, right? So, and then when it when it said on on my life is unmanageable, I thought, well, I got a good job. I got a really nice looking girlfriend. I I have a place to live. Hmm. I got nice clothes. I got all all the external stuff, right? That I was always weighing my unmanageability on the external stuff, and it wasn't until I came into the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous and I and I I got a sponsor who took me through the. The so what do you mean? So you're like, so you're like, if your problems with your girlfriend, that was unmanageable. So problems with your car and needed an oil change, that was unmanageable. If you didn't have the money, that kind of stuff, like yeah, that stuff it, was it, what you, you know, bro, right. uh, you know, broken relationships, lost jobs. You know, I did all that stuff, but I was always able to get another job and another girlfriend, and, and then I, I, I'd, uh, 
you know, I, I might have hit some some low points along along the way throughout my twenties, but I always I would like I'd always get that resolve going and resilient bunch man, and, and uh, I'd start doing better again. So yeah. so when I'd start to do better again, I'd be like, how can I? How I'm not under the bridge, I'm not Otis, I'm not the I'm not on the street, right? Like, I just love how, Otis. how can Every you tell me say, I have I a problem? His name. Maybe his name's cool. And so I was equating that un, unmanageability solely with the external stuff. Meanwhile, I'm dying inside. I can't go hours without using something because I cannot stand the feeling of being sober, right? You know, completely full of fear, uh, unwilling to, to make any change changes. Maybe for a brief, small hour of the day, I'm, you know, before my feet hit the ground, I'm willing to change. And then as soon as I, I stand up, I'm, I, 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 I got to have something, right? And that's the way it was for a long time. You could get up without, without having something? That's impressive. Man. Well, my, I could put my feet on the floor. But <laughs> no. So, so I, was, I was taught when I came into AA that, yes, it can be that external stuff. You know, like if I'm going to jail and if I'm, you know, if, if I'm... You know, as a driving force. Yeah, yeah. But not, not as the, in the reality of, of how... I mean, I'm, not, I'm just questioning, like, if you're saying that, that if your unmanageability was in your thinking or if it was in your... Yeah, yeah. So the the way the, the way it was explained to me that it, it can be the external stuff uh, as unmanageability, but it also has to do with how I feel inside, right? And and for me, like I was a prey to misery and depression. You know, I could never control my emotional natures. Uh, I was I became no use to anyone or any anything in my life. I was just of just floating along right and and I was constantly full of fear and and I felt hopeless and I and I wasn't happy but yet I still thought I was okay sure right so it was that internal stuff where I was really like suffering the most and yeah I had some external suffering going on mm -hmm. but that's though that was that connection to the reservations of what I thought an addict and an alcoholic was that was keeping me from taking AA or NA or you're pretty smart eh? you're a smart guy I, you're all right. Yeah, you're all right. <laughs> Dustin has a lot of potential. Dustin, Dustin yeah, has a lot of potential. Yeah. <laughs> That's my, my my report cards, but he's not here much. Oh, George, what, uh, George, what? So when you think about unmanageability, are you on the same same way, or are you gonna? Yeah, no, I, th I think that's I mean pretty similar, and I think that's training, right? Is like from the rest of the world's trained us how we see things. So. You know, somebody has a broken arm, it's visible, you, you, you know, that triage that first, that's the problem. But if somebody has a mental health disorder that's unforeseen, like you can't actually, you know, you can't validate it in right. the same way looking at it. Yeah. We put it at a lower priority. So, you know, we put out the job and the, the girlfriend and the house and the car and that stuff as priority, but the spiritual discontentment uh, comes secondary yeah. to most people when we're validating and it works the same in the other direction. When people stop using or drinking, then they think that their lives are becoming manageable as soon as they get a job. Or they rush to get right. a job. Yeah. Oh, well, I, I got a week clean. If I just get work. Yeah. If I get into a relationship. If I, you know, if I have a baby, maybe it'll save my relationship. Oh, um, I've done that five times. Yeah, yeah, recovery babies. <laughs> 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 there, it, it, it's... It's the it's that that clawing for for something Experience. rather than you know looking like a recovery is an inside job. Yeah. So I mean anything external had nothing to do with their addiction in the first place. So the solution isn't going to be that way. Yeah. yeah, the solution is all inside of us. Absolutely. Yeah. And how difficult it is to see that, right? Yeah, 
Yeah, it's really hard to see that kind of stuff. So, I mean, I think that for me, unmanageability is, well, it, it didn't even end too when I stopped using. So it ended about probably six, seven months in. So right when I stopped using drugs, uh, I remember being in treatment and this, uh, I'm like, yeah, my life's manageable again, right? I'm not using, I'm, I'm feeling better. I, I'm doing some work on myself. And he's like, you're living in a agency right now with 30 other men. We're going to tell you when to go to bed. When yeah. to eat food. Yeah, tough. What yeah. you're allowed to wear. You know, you have to be in these groups and like when we tell you to, he's like, that's not manageable for an adult male. Like you should be an autonomous human being by now. You're, you're, you're 27. I was 27 at the time. You should be autonomous. And I wasn't. So, I mean, it kind of, it kind of actually made me feel deflated a little bit, but then I looked at it from another light and I'm like, well, okay, that's okay. Right. My unmanageability is getting less. It's, I'm having new unmanageability in my life. And the the way I'm, you know, interacting with it is a little bit better now. Yeah. So it, 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 it flipped it. And then eventually that unmanageability went away, connected to my addiction, and I was able to develop tons of other yeah. unmanageability yeah. in other areas of my life. <laughs> it's, it's yeah. funny. But new problems. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> new it's, problems are good problems. It's funny yeah. as as you were talking about how these guys were telling you to, that when to go to bed and when to eat and all that. I remember you telling me when to go to bed and go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Jordan happened to be one of my first uh, my first experiences in in, in treatment, but yeah, yeah. yeah jo- jo- was, was he a good experience? Amazing. <laughs> Actually, Jordan had one of the best lines. I, I don't know, like lots of amazing, helpful things. But he had one of the funniest, um, uh, like funniest lines I ever heard. I don't know why it stuck with me. It had stuck with me forever because I think it was the first time I really laughed hard at treatment. I don't know why I laughed for like you know those times you hear something you think about it like an hour later and you kind of giggle. Yeah, I remember like we all were all going to a meeting. We're all in like shirts and like cologne, and then we're all like dressed up like we're going to the ball, and, and like and, and we're all like standing waiting for our school bus. The only thing we're missing is our football helmets, and like I did that. And uh, and, all, and Jordan's like, what comes in? He's kind of like you can smell all the cologne. He's like, okay, guys. So remember, um, if you're trying to go to the meetings to pick up chicks, uh, that the odds are good, but the goods are odd. <laughs> like, I almost died laughing. Right? Oh I was like, What's the other one in there? Uh, Up every skirt, uh, there's a slit. Of every oh, yeah. there's a slip. That's an old 1950s yeah. uh, AA joke. Yeah. That's awesome. Line. It's awesome. Wow. So that's that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's a, it, it's interesting, right? Because you know, the, I guess that the key word, you know, one of the key words that comes to mind for this conversation is change, right? Yeah. So what am I willing to, to change, change to to obtain what recovery has to offer? Um, and we see it a lot in, in our new people, right? That that matter of willingness can can be fleeting sometimes. Sometimes people come in full of zest, you know, piss and vinegar, and they, they want it, right? And and it's our nature. We, we want to help them. And then suddenly, all of a sudden, you know, th- that that willing becomes fleetingness, and, and you know, like, it's just like, man, I don't know if I, I'm going to be able to direct this guy in the right direction because he's just not, not ready, right? Reservations. Yeah. Right reservations. back to the reservations. Yeah. Well, what are they? What are they, right? So, so what are the reservations? Yeah, I, yeah, what was I don't even know. I don't even know. Yeah. I'm be, I'm, I have to be honest with myself. I don't know what the reservation uh, The only thing I can come up with is that I wanted to drink like other people. I don't know. What was I holding That's on? definitely a reservation. I mean, like people, you know, like if a diabetics want to eat donuts, but they want to keep their legs. <laughs> you know, so they so so they don't. Right. Right? Yeah. I mean, they you know, you don't you don't see them sitting there going like yeah. I gotta eat the donut. You know, like they know yeah, yeah. the damage is causing. So sometimes that reservation is just not knowing that you're dying. 
not acknowledging the 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 seriousness of the disease and and that's the hard part is when you go into a meeting i mean people are are, are clean and sober and they've been around a long time and 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 they've regained their lives so they're laughing and they're you know hugging and you know like having fun and the newcomer comes in and they experience that and they you know and, and that's a beautiful thing that they're experiencing instead of you know guilt and shame and remorse mm. but they immediately forget the you know why they're there right you know they immediately forget how serious this is you know if we walked them into you know hospital into triage and 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 you know and people weren't allowed like they weren't laughing and it was very staunch and serious they would know that but they probably wouldn't say right so there's this this weird place where where they land in and and i think that's like the role of and people sometimes who've been around a while to to remind people like you're dying right you know when you're putting your efforts into you know picking up some chick at the meeting instead of you know doing step work you're dying right when you know you leave uh, after you know the preamble or you know like right before the speaker because you didn't really want to hear a speaker that night you know you're dying right. and what would you do to survive oh and and mm. it's an easier question to answer than what do you want to do for your recovery uh, because it, it brings people back to that place where they were they, they recall what it was like. Right. And remember whens are helpful for that kind of stuff. They're not helpful to stop you from using. I I, I, I had lots of remember whens. As soon as I pick up, yeah. I forget everybody in the program. I don't care about any of you. People say the oh twelve steps will ruin your high. I'm like, no they won't. I'll I'll I'll, I'll, I'll forget you. I'll I'll make up some story in my head yeah. about how horrible all you people were. Yeah. And uh yeah, you know but your way, yeah. When I'm when I'm still before I picked up that drug and I still have that little ounce of power left, right, right between me and my higher power before I pick up, and uh, you know that's that's when I need those reminders. Like right. I'm I may not be dying a physical death anymore, um, you know, but I could be dying a spiritual death spiritually. If I'm yeah. not moving forward, I'm moving backwards, and yeah. I watch a lot of people rolling downhill in the rooms, yeah. yeah, and they're not saying anything, they're not reaching out for help, and you know that's. That's our job. So is that the reservation then? That they're not reaching out for help because they don't even realize they're rolling backwards? Yeah, I They think... got complacent in the program or whatever the circumstances are and they just sort of kind of like, they're just accepting the status quo of where they're at and they start rolling backwards? Yeah, well, they're, uh, sometimes they, you know, people will put uh, wanting to be liked oh, or accepted exactly. over, you know, their mm. actual health. Have you, have you guys ever seen uh, uh, that... Uh, uh, girl with the dragon tattoo. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, girl with the dragon yeah. tattoo in that movie. For anybody who hasn't seen it, it's uh, the guy at the end, the serial killer. He's in his house. Spoiler: If you haven't seen it, um, <laughs> he's in his house, and the guy knows he's the killer right. already, and he invites him in, but he still walks into the house, and then he gets him downstairs, knocks him out, and then has him handcuffed to the wall. And he says, when he comes to light, he goes or awake, he says, "It's crazy human nature." You knew your instincts told you what was going to happen, but you came in anyways rather than offend me. And I'm thinking of all these people in the meetings that I walk by, and they're like, you know, somebody will go, "Hey, how's it? How, how's your day going?" And somebody will say, "Hey, uh, you know, it's okay." They're raising a flag. Yeah, hell yeah. They're raising a flag, and the person's okay, right? Yeah, or, yeah, yeah. Or they they really want to just scream and be like, "I'm I I can't do this. I want to get high. I don't know what I'm doing. Right, be yeah, um, that, that, I oh. I need to cry. I need to you know I need a hug. I need whatever." But they yeah. don't because they feel like it moves them down some imaginary totem pole. Imaginary totem that that makes them not 
like in this top echelon of recovery because yeah. they can't hack it. None of us can hack it. No, yeah. hell no. That's why I'm there. Yeah. That's why I'm there. As soon as you can hack it, you're just about to get high. <laughs> yeah. It's like it's like humility. Yeah. It's fleeting. You know you're humble, you yeah. get so proud that you're humble, right? <laughs> well, recovery works the same way. As yeah. soon as you're like, I got this lit. Yeah. I'm in that. I'm in that one like, percent yeah. of the room or, yeah. of, of recovery. You're in trouble. You're in trouble. Yeah. It, you, that that's being open-minded is probably the hardest spiritual principle there is, uh, because you know, like we get so open-minded to program stuff that we snapshot to everything else, and then we can't learn anymore. Right. And I mean, so you know, even if maybe we don't have reservations at the beginning, some people don't. People develop them. Okay. They develop all these reservations along the way, like, oh, I don't, I don't need to go to meetings anymore. Like because I've been yeah. around for a while, yeah. or or I've done my steps. I don't I don't need to look at those again. Right. The steps reveal these like these hidden corners. It's like shining a light on cockroaches. You know, yeah. you see them scatter. They run yeah. back into the dark. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. they reveal these things that we didn't even know. And and the longer that you're around, the harder it is to see. So it's it's this. Or even maybe the the less we look, the le- yeah. Because right. we don't want to look at it anymore. Right. We're like, oh, if I look at that, then I have to do more work and, and then I've done back, enough work. And I've dropped back down that imaginary totem pole again. Right. Yeah. Right. Which is, I mean, for me, the people that I look up to in the rooms, the people that still have like, you know, they got 20, 30 years and they're still in there sharing like their life depends on it. I love it. I yeah. love those people. Yeah. Right. They, they can Same. go in there and they can cry instead of getting up there and telling me. How, you know, all the great stuff they got in recovery. Jordan's and, eyes are going to the sky. Yeah. Oh, man. It's, it, it's, it's, uh, to, you know, to watch somebody just, you know, dump yeah. when raw. they've got a long time. Super raw. I love it. Me too. Yeah. Cause they're, they're, they're breaking through those reservations. They're, they're like, I, you know, they know they can't hold those. They know they can't harbor those anymore. Cause they, I've never seen somebody relapse who didn't have any. I mean, that's, people say, you know, all these different things cause relapse, you know, like um, if you have gratitude, you won't relapse or whatever. For me, there has to be a reservation before somebody picks up. You have to start thinking, I can use successfully, maybe just this one time. I can hang out with these people. I don't need the meetings. There has to be some point where we give up on something and we pull a pin in our recovery. Yeah, I love it. I think about when even just like making a reservation at a restaurant, right? You're going to hold the place for me till I get there, right? Yeah. And we're holding on to that, right? Till I get there. And I'm coming eventually, right? And Yeah, crazy, man. Could you imagine that at the altar? Could you imagine, you know, like, <laughs> when we're talking about having it as your, like, partner? Yeah. Could you imagine we stand at the altar, do you take this man? Yes, I take this man forever, only yeah. him. And it comes to my turn, do you take this woman? Yeah, but I got a couple side pieces. <laughs> I'm not yeah. gonna call my side yeah. pieces, but they are. But there. I'm gonna keep their phone numbers, yeah. and they're available in case this doesn't work out. Yeah, you can't have any backup plan when you're getting clean. Like, and I think that's people are waiting for the shoe to drop because it always has in their life. Yeah, yeah. So they're expecting it, but sure. it doesn't have to. Yeah. You never have to use again. Yeah, our Ever. brains are wired to accept that cycle, but we aren't accept- wired to accept anything else. We gotta work at it, right? Yeah, it's beautiful, man. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. So it's something that comes to mind too, like you, you were touching on it, is that, uh, you know, when, when, when we have those, those older, older members with long-term sobriety, when they, when, when they dump that stuff and, and they, you can tell how serious they are about sharing and getting that stuff out. It's also setting the example for a guy like me who's, yeah. who's young in recovery that, you know, you, you're not perfect either. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, even, being 20 or 30 years sober, you're still, you're still working through it. Right. 
And it's like, it's something that I've been, I've been sort of worried, not worried about, but I've been uh, aware of the fact that, you know, I, I was the guy when I first came in to the rooms, uh, just Jordan had seen me and said, Hey Dust, how you doing? Great. Yeah. He's so great. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and it was, it was that the other guy that I was telling you about from, from treatment that started calling me on it. Yeah. He's just like, look where you are right now. Right. Mm. You know, how's your life right now? And then I'm like, ah, right. Yeah. So I, I, I know like in myself that, um, just as much as I can be honest with, with you, sometimes I can, I can, you know, I can be dishonest with myself on the inside. Of course. So I, I, I can be honest with everyone in my life except for myself and, and it's going to kill me. Right. So that, that's where I, I for me, I, I want to stay, I want to stay connected. I want to stay vulnerable and I want to stay authentic, especially when I go to meetings and I share, um, because that, that seems to be a, like from what I've seen in the last couple of years of, of being in the rooms, it seems like that we, we as addicts and alcoholics can get caught in the disease without even knowing, knowing it. Right. Like, like I know we're, we're talking about reservations, but like when, when I start to think like, like you said, like that, I, I got this thing, right. That's, that's where I'm in trouble. Right. And I see that in others where, where they start to start to do that. I'm great. That's where I'm, I'm learning great. from watching the others. Yeah. It's legit. And, and I'm a Whether it's because they, they want that, that, that social, that social admiration or, or whatever it is, um, you know, it, it's, it's ultimately hurting them. Right. And it, mm. it starts, it seems to start a long time before, before the actual relapse happens. Yeah. That, right. that, that's what I see. Like, and, and most times that I've seen it happen this past year, for example, they don't even know. Mm-hmm. They don't even know. Like, mm-hmm. like it just happened to a guy, a guy real close to me and his behavior in his life, it, it, like before the actual relapse was happening for like three months straight, just domino effect, doing all the things they tell us not to do. But then at the same time, you could tell like I, a newcomer, not, no. So no. emotional sobriety issues. Yeah, maybe, maybe. I'm not trying to take, no, no, I, I, the reason I, but if, if I'm, if I'm looking, if I'm sort of watching him like a, like a fly on the wall to, to, to learn from his experience, I see that I saw that not only did he, he start doing the, the, the things that they tell us not to do in the rooms, like stop going to meetings and stop reaching out. And, and, um, I, I started to see that when I could, I could feel like maybe he was going through a tough time. I, I reached out to him and, and like automatic shutdown, you know, no, everything's good. Right. You know, I, yeah, man. Well, why, why do you ask? I said, well, you know, I kind of alluded like, you know, you kind of changed your job and you're moving away and, uh, it just seems like, uh, like a whole bunch of really quick, uh, quick decisions, but, but they're major. Like, how does that, how do you feel about all this? Right. Just to try to get him talking and see if he'd, he'd, he'd open up and then shut, shut right down. Sure. Like, just no, sure. No, he had, he had, he wasn't conscious to it. He wasn't aware of it. Right. And so I like that, that just shows me too, right? Like that this disease we have is cunning, baffling and powerful, right? Baffling is the part that gets me. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> that's why I want to yeah. stay vulnerable with guys like you, yeah. right? and, oh, I, and yeah. I want to talk about stuff. Definitely. I don't, I don't want to, you know, keep my mouth shut because it's I got to tattle on myself. No, tattle right? away, man. Jordan, my, my disease is a li- is a liar, right? That's what they tell me, and and I see, I see it in others, and it just makes the liar me, wants to kill you, bro. Makes me more desperate, right? At the end of the day, like to 
to keep moving forward, like you say. Beautiful, if, man. If, if I'm not going that way, I'm, yeah. I might be going the opposite. You roll down that hill. Jordan, dangerous. if you had to say something to the newcomer when regarding to these reservations, what's your thinking? Did I mumble that? Did I totally just mumble that? No. Jordan, if you have to say something to the newcomer without any re regarding the reservations, what do you think about that? <laughs> <laughs> I'd say, uh, you know, if you, if you really want this life and you want to get clean and sober and you want to have your life back, you got to let go of what's behind you. Letting go, eh? You know, we uh, we talked about the other day. I mean, you know, you watch somebody, a uh, little kid on monkey bars, and they're holding on to one, and they swing to the next, and they get scared. Right. And they just hang there until they fall off, you know, instead of just going for it, right? Just go for it. There's, you never have to use again, you know, you you, you know, the, the old lie is, you know, once an addict, always an addict. I mean, you're going to have the, the disease of addiction in you, but you don't have to live as a drug addict anymore. You don't have to have... Uh, those people in your life anymore that are hurting you you have no if you're an adult you have no attachment to anything you don't have to be with your family you don't have to be with your old friends right you don't have to be you, you can make any decision you want yeah i mean to change your life right now you can change everything about it right and uh and i'll tell you there's nothing nothing that's gonna go uh nothing that's gonna happen negatively i would say from you know, moving closer to your recovery and further away from that dirty little dope fiend that's whispering in your ear. I love it, man. Awesome. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for, for coming today and helping uh, helping share this incredible yeah, powerful thanks, message. George. Thanks, my pleasure. Awesome. It was awesome. Yeah. It was it was awesome. Dustin, you're you're not only handsome, you're brilliant. I love I love hanging out with you. <laughs> thanks, brother. You know, the beard looks good. You know, appreciate that. Hey, uh, and I love both you guys, and uh, and I'm just gonna say goodbye. Yeah. Have a good one, guys. Thanks again for uh, coming, Jordan. Thanks. Great talking to you. We will see you next week. <laughs>